everybody, it's me, Katie Asaurus, and welcome back to Infinite Quest. This week on Infinite Quest, we are talking school and ADHD, specifically Eric and I's experience with school. Um, just so you know, we recorded this episode live on a Twitch stream, and the response that we got from the chat just as we were recording made us realize that we're going to need to do a series on this. Um, so this week's episode is more about Eric and I's own individual personal experiences with school, what school was like for us, um, and I will be honest and let you know this is kind of a vulnerable episode and I do cry at the end so just just you know know that going into things before we get into the episode itself, I want to let you know that the announcements here at the top of the show might get a little long, but that's because I have quite a bit to update you on. First, we want to say thank you so much for supporting us and supporting Infinite Quest. I know that I say it every single week, but it is because I mean it every single week. We would not be here if it weren't for all of you, and we are so, so thankful and so, so grateful for the support of this community. Last week, Infinite Quest hit the top 100 podcasts in America for mental health, and we are floored and honored and absolutely overwhelmed with what that means for us and what that means for Infinite Quest. What it means is that we are finding an audience who sees the value and importance and the necessity in what we do in spreading education and advocacy about ADHD and depression and mental illness. And that is a profound gift. We are so lucky to be where we are. However, 99.3% of our audience across TikTok and Twitch and YouTube and here on the podcast listens and views and enjoys our content for absolutely free. And I know that it sucks to have to listen to me say, hey, we have a Patreon every single week. But the fact of the matter is, is that Eric and I both lost our jobs during the pandemic. And right now, especially on the verge of Eric's move, things are not exactly what we would call financially soluble right now. Supporting us on patreon.com slash infinite quest or uh, subscribing to either myself or Eric or both over on the Twitch or subscribing to my OnlyFans, quite frankly, is a really great way that you can help support the mission of Infinite Quest for just a couple of bucks a month. You know that super annoying trope where they go, for just the price of a cup of coffee, you can save an orphaned puppy dolphin or whatever. Um, Eric and I actually sat down and we ran the numbers. And if just one in three of our listeners donated a dollar a month over on the Patreon, we would have have more than enough to not only finance Eric's move, but make this soluble, make this viable, and quite frankly, be able to bring you so much more education and so much more content. We also want to stress that we know for a lot of our listeners, having a few extra bucks a month is sometimes a luxury that you just don't have. And quite frankly, right now, we find ourselves in that same boat. That's why we just want to remind you that if our TikToks have helped you in any way, if our podcast has helped broaden your horizon or your understanding of yourself or your partner or anybody that you know with ADHD, the best way that you can support us is just go leave us a review, uh, put us, share us around on your social media, on TikTok, on Instagram, on Reddit, on Facebook, send us to your grandma. Um, but the more people that we can bring to Infinite Quest and the more that we can show that there is a need and a value to the work that we're doing, the more that we can create Infinite Quest as a sustainable, viable medium for spreading awareness and advocacy about ADHD and depression and mental health. Again, we just want to stress that there is absolutely no pressure, no expectation, and 
absolutely no obligation. We want to keep Infinite Quest as free and accessible to anybody and everybody who might need us. And so that's really, really important to us as well. Again, though, we just want to close on a moment of sincere gratitude. As much as I make jokes about, you know, Fruit Snack Nation and Eric makes jokes about Hey Goods Heroes, we really hope that you understand that we view Infinite Quest as a family and a community. And in particular this week, we want to extend our sincere gratitude to Eric and Moon, and Scribbles, and Anne for everything that they have done for us this week and, and beyond. Uh, we would not be here if it were not for all of you, and we are just so, so grateful to each and every one of you. I wish that I had the words and the gratitude, but I've been talking for like five minutes, so I'm going to shut up. Um, so yeah, this is our educational episode, hard switch into show mode. Um, this is our educational episode. We'll be back next week with some more exciting and cool content so um here we go transition oh that's nice okay you want to do the thing yeah give me a second all right one um the preacher wore buttless chaps the butt it's far I was trying to do that joke without being too loud. Anchorman. It's Anchorman. I'm aware of the, Anchorman. the topically relevant hit summer blockbuster Anchorman. So relevant. Anchorman. Anchorman will never not be. Uh, Anchorman, Step Brothers, Pineapple Express will never not be relevant. Those movies can be referenced till the end of time, and they will always be relevant. <laughs> and and uh, what's that? Uh, Electric Boogaloo? There's a, there's a show. Anyways, all right, that was terrible. Um, all right, so we're gonna clap. We do a little clappy clap for, for for my making my life easier. Oh, this is also everybody's seen the sausage get made. You know they are. They're, they're this is what this is. This is not like oh we're performing because we're on Ooh. the Twitch now. Like I want to be very clear. This is actually how we make our podcast. Yeah. We just bullshit for like 25 minutes and then we're like oh fuck I guess we should make a podcast. So. <laughs> we accidentally made a podcast that way one time. We, we, we did. We talked for a whole like hour and a half accidentally. About- I mean, I kind of feel like episode. this is the way that episode is going to go, but we should at least do the intro. Do you want to? Okay. Hi, everybody. It's me, Katie Asaurus. <clears throat> and it's me, Hey Good. <laughs> Nailed it. That was so good. You want to take it? Let's take that. Let's take that again. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, hey, everybody, it's me, Hey Good, and you, Katie Asaurus, first. This oh, is the first time. You want to go first? I'm going to get top billing this time. Okay. This is what's okay. going to happen. I'm, okay. I promise I'm not bitter about it, but this time I'm taking it. All right, ready? Okay. Hi everybody, it's me, Hey Good, and I'm Katie Source. That was weird, right? That was, that was weird. weird. I went first. It felt weird. <laughs> um, so today is our first uh, live podcast recording on Twitch. If you'd like to hang out for our live podcast recordings, follow twitch.tv slash infinitequest and switch.tv slash katiosaurus with an O instead of a zero, or a, a, instead of an O. I mean a zero instead of an O. That was almost close to being right <laughs> and also twitch.tv slash hey good what are you, you doing just, you know, all that good stuff also i really want mr nichols to do a voiceover for us where it's like oh, I this know. episode of infinite quest was recorded in front of a live twitch audience i bet he would we could we, we could do that for thursday too i think that would be cool yeah maybe so we'll every- put that right here yeah right here how dare you i'm not a sexy or sensual voice for you to use at your whims which reminds me 
Thank you for listening to Infinite Quest. If you've enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if your app doesn't let you do that, why are you using it? Find a better one. One that deserves you. Mm. Yeah, that feels good, doesn't it? Oh no! I've fallen into your trap! This episode of Infinite Quest was taped in front of a live Twitch studio audience. <laughs> oh, that was so cool, wasn't that was it? So oh, cool. man. Thanks, Mr. Nichols. That, that was, was awesome. awesome. <laughs> God. Now I gotta hope he doesn't do it, so it's just us just doing a stupid it's bit. It's just us awkwardly pausing. <laughs> um, oh. So the, the, the topic we're gonna talk about this week is something that Katie and I talk about to each other like a lot. Um, and we've, I don't want to say we've been putting off the subject, but it's a really big one. And so we didn't really know how to approach it. And so this is likely going to be either part one of a series or we're going to get more granular with it as time goes on. Um, but today we're just going to take the big whale of a topic um, of ADHD in school or ADHD in academics, however you want to think about it. Because Katie and I both had very... I think we had similar brains in school, but we responded to them in very, very different ways, which I think is fascinating. This is true. So the and first, I, the first, the question I wanted to ask to, to sort of start things. Well, unless, unless of course, Katie, you want to have any, you know, say, or you know, you can just let me talk for the next hour. Um, I mean, actually, I want to preface this, um, because one of the things that I think is really important. Um, is is that it is never our intention on Infinite Quest to exclude. Um, and one of the things that I have found really frustrating is that my experience is that of a of like gifted programs, like just gifted programs my whole life. Um, and I've started talking a lot more about that because like, as I've been sort of like learning more about myself and like researching and all of this stuff, I'm realizing like how much of my sort of trauma or the things that I deal with are, are very much based in that experience. But the problem <laughs> is that every time I post on, on TikTok about it or I make a video about it or whatever, there's always at least like five or six people in the comments who go, well, what about the kids who, who, who did bad in school? Um, and, and I, and I never know how to navigate it because like that wasn't my experience. It just, it just wasn't. And so like, I want to be very clear uh, that as we go into this week's episode, this is not to say that every person with ADHD is a gifted and talented kid, nor am I saying that if your experience is different than mine, or if you, you know, you struggled in school, like there is something inherently more wrong with you, or you are more or less ADHD. Um, we just wanted to talk about our experience because our experiences with school and particularly me, like in academia, like getting master's degrees and that kind of thing really informed how how I live my life and how I teach and so I just want to be very clear that we are doing we we think it's really really important to not exclude in this conversation we are just talking simply about our own experiences is that an okay way to start that yeah I think so I mean ultimately I think it would be more of a disservice to our listeners if we d pretended that that was our or pretended to have experiences that were other than our own, which yeah. is just something that we try to do in every regard. Um, and this is just one of them. You know, we had a particular experience in school, which we can speak to. And we had we didn't have others that we can't speak to um, that we are immensely curious about, um, which is why I really enjoy hearing other people's experiences in school, um, because, frankly, 
I can't imagine having any other one than the one that I had because that's the one that I had. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I can imagine about them in sort of a wistful what if way, but I don't know what they were like, you know. Um, so I think that is, yeah, I think that's a really good point. We're not trying to exclude. We're just trying to only speak to the things that we actually know. And, <coughs> um, and frankly, I... Uh, <laughs> And frankly, I, I want to put also forward the idea that Katie and I, um, even when we're just talking to each other, it's really hard for us to say anything positive about ourselves without apologizing for it, as if to say, I'm not trying to be arrogant, I'm not trying to be whatever, but like, you know, and we qualify it for like a minute and a half before just saying a very simple thing that happened. Um, and so I aim to stop doing that as much in my everyday life. And I'm, 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 I'm trying to get Katie to aim to stop doing that in her everyday life. Um, but I think certainly, I think on a podcast, it's sometimes I'll be listening through the podcast. And I'm like, wow, I just apologized for something I haven't said yet for like three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's so, weird because like, I mean, I think that's a really good place to, to start the conversation because like, that's something that I learned in my academic experience like that idea of like having to constantly apologize, a lot of that is rooted in my experience in school. Um, and it's like weird because like TikTok is by hell or high water, TikTok is convinced to make me a more mentally sound person. And I'm just constantly getting called out all the time on mental health TikTok. But realizing that has been has been really interesting, like how much of that like need to apologize and how much of that need to like over explain and, and over apologize and be like, oh, I sure hope I don't offend anybody by talking about my own experience and like how that experience has affected me. Um, a lot of that comes out of my experience in school. Huh, that's interesting. And in what realms would you say? Was it like a, a very an immediate realm, like you, the people you're in class with? Or was it sort of a grander, you didn't want to put yourself above or below anybody else? I mean, it was, it's a lot. Like, I think it's like year, like years and it showed up in, in different ways. And like, like, this is like a weird place to start the like education conversation. <laughs> but when I was in kindergarten, like, I remember this, I remember this very specifically. I, I taught myself how to read. Um, and, and I taught myself how to read like at my grandma's house when I was like real, real little. And so when I went to kindergarten, I got in trouble for knowing how to read. And I like, I don't think my teacher meant for it to be like a, oh, you're in trouble. But like, I was a kid. I didn't, I didn't know like any better. But basically, like, I remember I was sitting there and I was very, like, this is like such like a like specific memory <laughs> from my life. But it was like, I, I was sitting there, I was reading a book and she came over, she pulled the book out of my hands and she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm reading a book. She's like, you don't know how to read. And I was like, no, I do. Uh, and she was like, no, you don't. And I was like, yeah, I do. It was like weird, right? She was like accusing me of lying. Um, and so then she like put the book, she gives me back the book and she's like, well, then read it to me. And then I started reading it to her. And she was like, why? Why do you, like, what do you, like, well, great. That's what she said. She was like, she was like, well, great. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to teach you now. And so I felt like I had done something wrong because I knew how to read. And so, like, that was, like, my first experience. Like, this was, like, I want to be very clear. It was, like, the second day of school <laughs> ever. Like, that was my second day. 
was that. And I remember that. I remember that like I was still there. I remember the rug that I was sitting on. I remember the book. I remember like the like the sun coming through the window. And like, I remember what I was wearing. Like, I remember that. And I remember that moment of like, you are bad and you are wrong for knowing something that somebody else doesn't. And so like, I pretended that I didn't know how to read for a really long time because I didn't want to hurt the other kids' feelings. Wow, that's that's such a um, a goodwill hunting kind of moment. Not to immediately start drawing genius analogies, although Katie, you're, <laughs> you're you're quite up there. But you're you're drawn on the chalkboard in your in your custodian garb, you know. And 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 Alexander Selvig from the Avengers comes up and goes like, <laughs> goes like, "What are you doing?" And you just got sorry, and then he looks up and my God, it's right. You got to just grab that book and read to that teacher. I love that that happened. I I am honestly going to sleep better at night knowing that that's how you responded. You were just like, oh, yeah, I'll read it. I don't give a shit. It's sort of like when a teacher would think you're not paying attention in class because you're doodling or you're looking out the window or something, and they'll say, Eric, like, pay attention. I'm like, oh, I was. And they're like, oh, yeah? Well, what did I just (laughs) say? The amount of times I've heard that, and I was stoked every single time because I did know what they said, (laughs) and they were about to look real fucking stupid in front of the whole class. Mm, Oh, I love it. But what – so how how long after do you think – did it take until you were comfortable like reading in front of everybody and not only that but like being comfortable knowing how to do that in light of other people perhaps not being so good at it I mean it was weird because my mom pulled me out of that school like after that happens like my mom moved me to a different school because she was so upset at the teacher for like what the teacher because my mom was like I remember like I came home and I like cried and I was like like I got in trouble for reading and my mom was like I'm sorry what now Um, so I, I moved to a different school for first grade and then I was in that school for like the, the rest of, uh, like I went first through eighth grade with like the same, and it was a very, very small school. So I went to school with the same 18 kids. There were 18 kids in my class from first grade to eighth grade, which was a very weird experience because when you only know 18 people from grade one to grade eight, Everybody knows the situation. Everybody knows who the smart kid is. Everybody knows who, like, you know, the kid who struggles is. Everybody knows everybody's business. It was a whole thing. And so, like, my school experience is really, really weird because, like, I was mercilessly made fun of. I was mercilessly bullied from, like, first, second, and third grade. I was I was horribly bullied because I was, like, weird looking and I had dumb hair and I knew how to read and I was really smart and I loved reading Rainbow. And so my parents used to tape reading Rainbow off of, off of the TV onto, like, VHS tapes. And they would, like, bring in, like, five VHS tapes a week. And, and my class would watch reading Rainbow because my parents had cable. And we were, like, the only people in, in my class who had cable at the time. <laughs> so my parents were, like, bootlegging reading Rainbow for the kids in my class. But they used to make fun of me for it. They are like, ah, ha, ha, you like reading Rainbow. Like, oh, you're such a nerd. Oh, you know how to read and whatever. And so it was this weird thing where starting in fourth grade they bumped me to like a a made up it didn't exist like the like my it was just like my fourth grade teacher realized that like I was so bored I was just so bored all the time she like started giving me like harder books to read but it was like that was the narrative like like for a really long time was just like I was made fun of for knowing how to read I was constantly told like I got told by the school librarian that I couldn't check out books from the big kids section because they were too hard for me and so like I, I just kept 
getting told over and over and over that I was like wrong and bad and I shouldn't know the things that I did. And, and I was like, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, but that's the story. So there you go. <laughs> well, I want to, I'm wondering at what point, at what point did all that bullshittery sort of s- stop? I mean, I know it probably never stopped, but at what point was it like, okay, did the, did the teachers not feel so freaking insecure about the fact that you knew things that they didn't teach you, I suppose? I mean, that's what's ringing pretty strikingly clear yeah. here, is that? Eighth grade. Eighth grade. Eighth grade? My eighth grade teacher, her name was Connie Urtel, and she was just an extraordinary teacher. She was so good. I still remember her. I still remember everything that she did for me. Um, and basically, she was the first person who looked at me and said, like, you are not bad and wrong for being smart. Like you, like there is nothing wrong with being intelligent. Um, And that was kind of a turning point for me because like for a really long time, like I was like, I was Hermione Granger. Like, you know, like I was the kid, like I always answered the question, like whatever. But at this point there was 18 of us. Like everybody knew that I was a fucking nerd. Like they weren't like, you know, they weren't surprised. And so like, I had just kind of gotten used to like being the nerdy kid who always knew the answer. Um, and so it was funny because like, I, I posted that video about, um, you know, like raising your hand in class. And, like, what do you do for kids who like always know the answer? And how do you take, you know, how do you take turns? That wasn't my experience until high school because all through grade school, everybody would just look at me and expect me to know the answer. Like if nobody knew the answer, my teacher would go, well, Katie, what's the answer? And I'd be like X or Y or, you know, whatever. Um, and so, yeah, like, so that was like, so it was like weird. It was like weirdly backwards. And then I got to high school and I was like, and I had new teachers and new people who like didn't know me and didn't know that that was like, I was the kid who knew the answer. It was weird. I feel like I'm talking a lot about myself. What about you, Eric? Tell me about <laughs> your, see what I did. I awkwardly dodged feeling feelings. Ha ha. Take that. <coughs> Don't worry. I'll, I'll bring you back. Um, well, I, I, my, my experience was basically, I, from as early as I can remember, probably I would say like in early phase school. So when I was, when I was a kid, I lived in Connecticut till I was 12. I moved to Michigan when I was 12 and I went to public Michigan high schools till I was 16. When I was 16, uh, I went to a boarding school, which was sort of like an arts conservatory for, I played, I was a musician. (laughs) Ooh. Ooh. Um, And so for my junior and senior year in high school, um, I was at this, um, this boarding school for, for music. I mean, it wasn't a conservatory, like actually. So we still had actual classes with math and physics and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I graduated that and then didn't go to college. Um, <clears throat> and so that first period, the, the pre-12 period, I suppose, um, I was way more interested in the social workings of how the school's social whatever's worked, the hierarchies, how those worked, which is not to, to say just that I like wanted to be like, quote unquote, popular. Um, I mean, on some level, I, I, I did because... I don't know, I was trained to want that, perhaps. Um, but I was fascinated by how people interacted. Like, I noticed that the people that one would call, quote-unquote, popular, they were just the best at insulting people. That was the only thing that made them popular. It didn't necessarily have to do with how they looked or how much money they had or or whether or not they played sports. It was strictly that they were the best at insulting people. And so if you went up against them about something they could cause you to back down by insulting you. Yeah. Um, 
and you would back down from that. But there were also a whole class of people that you were better at insulting people then, and you were quote unquote more popular. So I was I was third tier. I don't want to say these people's names, but I mean I worked it all out in my head. It was fascinating to me. Um, there was uh, I'll use their first names. There was H, M, and M, um, two M's, different names, um, and they were immensely. They, nobody nobody messed with them. And then they each had their like sort of right-hand person and then below that. Anyways, that was all deeply fascinating to me because every grade also had that hierarchy, which I also figured out because I had a brother who was a few grades above me. And so I was sort of familiar what was going on up there. So there was this whole Game of Thrones thing going on. Um, and I was a very quiet kid, believe it or not. Well, I was, I was either very quiet or either very not quiet. <laughs> um, but anyways, I was very, very concerned and fascinated by how those things work. So whenever I was in class, I was more interested in whether or not, like I know that the most popular kid, quote unquote popular, knows the answer to this because I just know that he does. Like I, I, he's a smart kid and I, I know he knows the answer. I wonder whether or not he raises his hand and he either would or wouldn't and I would be like, hmm, interesting. I'm not um, laughing at <clears throat> you, but I think this is fascinating. Like, the way, <laughs> the way that you've approached this is just, like, fascinating to me. Well, it was just so, at the time, it was so much more interesting than most of the stuff we were learning about. Um, because either they were teaching us about something very interesting that they assumed was too, way over our heads, so they had to sort of dumb it down, in which case it was sort of, like, frustrating. Like, I know that's not the full story. That's not what is, like, that couldn't be all that a xylem does. Um but uh, or there were classes that did end up being very interesting, in which case I ended up being very I would I don't want to say I hyper focused on it, but everything else sort of faded away. And I was just like, oh, my God, what you're telling me that there's an electron thing in the world? You know, <laughs> there are microscopic little things. Um, and so I was either very concerned with I, I either found the social machinations of the school to be much more interesting than the subjects yeah. or very much vice versa. I um man that that like fascinates me because uh, I and I and I couldn't choose which was which. I couldn't choose which one was more interesting to me at a given time. <laughs> I can't make that. I can't stress that enough because that sort of uh, dichotomy stuck in my head. Like I could mm -hmm. either focus on the social aspect of school, not just in a what's my place in it, but just in in sort of a anthropological sense, like what yeah. this is fascinating, what's going on here, or I could focus on school. Um, and so there was this sort of, there's mutual exclusivity to them um, that I think persisted for me. Were you, were you a good student or were you a bad student? I was a dreadful student, always. Really? I mean, on paper, yeah. Oh yeah, always, garbage. Um, on paper, on paper. Like my teachers always liked me, but I was terrible. Well, so I... I suspect your initial question was actually about how is what what was my relationship to ADHD and all this, um, which I, mean, I suppose not really like I just like because I don't like I don't know like I wasn't like I was straight A's until I wasn't, and then when I wasn't, everybody treated it like it was a crisis, and then I was like, has it ever occurred to you that maybe I just don't want to do stuff sometimes? Like... <laughs> yeah, I. I mean, I had a moment in, uh, it would have been fifth grade, um, that is, the more I unpack myself and the more that I sort of observe myself, the more I'm realizing um, it was one of the more influential, informative moments in my entire life. Because um, it's easy to discredit things that happened before a certain age, because you're like, hey, I was a kid, what the hell, who cares what happened then? Um, 
I burped. <laughs> but basically, there's this program um, called uh, Academically Talented, or AT. Uh, and my brother was in it. My, I have a brother that was uh, two grades above me. He was in it. Uh, and I was very aware of which students were in it and which students were not. Because, again, it played into that social hierarchy if somebody was in academically talented or not. Because yeah. there was a class during – there was a period throughout the day where academically talented was happening. And you were, you were either there or you were in LA 2, Language Arts 2, where you just put the dumb kids, basically. Um you and shouldn't be, say dumb kids. You should say kids I know, who it are was, not as good at school. Yeah, intelligence wanna, is a social construct. Uh, yeah, that's right. It <laughs> was not the dumb kids class. I'm, I'm trying to make a joke because I was in that class. And so they, it was not the dumb kids class. There were plenty, plenty of brilliant kids in that class. However you want to measure brilliance. They were either brilliant because they could do math really well or they were brilliant because they could make you stop crying when you were crying. Like whatever whatever their skill set was. Um, so, yeah, I, I actually I do feel really bad about calling it the dumb kids class. It was not the dumb kids class. <laughs> um, but we didn't get tested for academically talented or screened for academically talented until uh, fifth grade. So all up until then, I was like, you're going to get in. You're not going to get in. You're going to get in. You're not going to get in. Uh, and then that the day came, I took the test uh, and I didn't get in. Um, and I was put in LA too. And from then on, it was like the game became, how do I prove to these people that I'm smart? Which is, that, I'm going to call you out because we're friends and I can. That's like, that is a thing that you do still to this day. Absolutely. You oh, yeah. Do, like, I mean. Before I, I like really got to know you, I was always like, this pretentious motherfucker. <laughs> like, I get it. You're smart. And then like one day you told me that story and I was like, oh, Oh, I get it now. I understand why Eric does this. And it's, but it's like, and then I get like upset for you. And then I was like, first, then I feel bad for like passing that judgment on you. Cause I was just like, I had no idea. But then also like, then I'm like, that is so upsetting that something as like, frankly, trivial as like what language arts class you got put into based on some arbitrary system of testing and measuring intelligence profoundly affected not only your experience in school but also like how you see yourself as like a grown-ass man and it's like and and it's weird because like it's it's another one of those like i don't take care of myself but i take care of you and like because it's like it's the same thing for me but like i get mad about you but i'm just like my i'm just like oh but katie like it's it's fine it doesn't matter but yeah i get i get really frustrated whenever i think about that because i i wonder how many other kids are like didn't get into the program and have like completely made that there's like wrapped that up into their self-worth or like vice versa like were and you know and the pressure and the expectations and like all of that stuff like I really think a lot of those programs do more harm than good because we're not thinking about the psychological impact that telling kids over and over and over that they're gifted and they're special and whatever has in the long run when all of a sudden grades don't matter. Yeah. Like, what do you do when you graduate school and you're not getting graded on how, you know, how good your book reports are? You're just have to live your life and file your taxes yeah the, the solution I, eric is you go back to school four separate times that's, that's the, right 
that's the that's the that's the strategy. <laughs> that's right. Well, I think the idea of of I don't want to call them gifted programs, but having specific programs for specific kids, having a more tailored academic experience for for students, I think is a good idea in in theory. I think the way that we're implementing it though focuses much more on this concept of there being a a linear scale of of intelligence. And we, so we focus more on sort of magnitude and hierarchy, like you are smart enough or you aren't smart enough, where I think the approach should be much more lateral. Like, yeah. oh, you are inclined to do this sort of thinking or, or making or whatever. You know, you're very tactily intelligent. Like when you hold stuff, you can sort of feel how they work and make things. And yeah. you're very, you that's know, right. competent that's when right. it comes to cars or something like that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like I feel like my like real this is a thing that i've actually thought about like i really genuinely think that like if i were ever to have kids i would send them to montessori school for that purpose which is What's, weird what, what is montessori school so montessori school is like this sort of like different approach to teaching that is more based on like the kid follows their own interests and their own passions like within the context of like a lesson plan um, hmm. But it's, like, it's based on, like, what the kid is good at, and like, rather than just saying, like, every kid has to learn history in the same exact way. Because I, like, one of the, one of the things that I really think about is there's, there's a kid in my class, and I won't say their name. We'll call him Steve. Steve was a horrible reader. Like, Steve just could not read well. But Steve was, br- like, fucking brilliant at art. Like, just, like, even as a kid, like, just could draw you anything, was so good at it, was, like, whatever, but was not a gifted reader. And so Steve, like you, got left out of the gifted program because, like, you know, the, the structures of the gifted program said that Steve wasn't gifted because he couldn't read well aloud. Now Steve makes, like, a fucking $5 million a year as an architect <laughs> Because he's brilliant and so talented and so smart at other things. And so, like, that's, like, that's the thing is, like, I was very, like, traditionally gifted. I was an excellent reader. I was an excellent writer. Like, that's, that's, that was my skill set. And not only that, and I want to be very clear, I'm just really good at standardized tests. Like, one of my shitty superpowers is, like, I'm very, very good at taking standardized tests. That doesn't make me smart or intelligent any more than the next person. It just means that, like, I have a weird talent and skill in terms of, like, understanding how to efficiently take a standardized test. And so, like, I get mad sometimes about the kids that, you know, for as much as I talk about being, you know, like a burnt out, gifted and talented kid, I get really upset about the kids who are left out of these programs because their talents are different, because their interests are different. Like being an incredibly talented artist is just as important as being a really good biologist or chemist or whatever. But it's, we're only recognizing like one specific type of intelligence and one specific type type of like academic success. And it just frustrates me, you know, it does. And and to sort of bring it kind of back to, uh, to ADHD, I think not only do we value certain, forms of intelligence more than others um so much so that we don't even call those other forms of intelligence intelligence a lot of the time um i think we also value certain uh i would say uh uh intellectual dispositions or mental dispositions um more than others speaking nothing of of the of the concept of a disorder 
but just the idea that everybody's brain has a disposition. It has a way that it behaves. Sometimes it behaves in a way that makes you, quote unquote, a good student or an obedient student. And sometimes it makes you an obnoxious little, little whatever the hell. But both of those dispositions, all dispositions that a brain can come in, are useful in some ways. And by useful, I don't mean how much can they produce for society, but how much can they create a healthy and satisfying environment for the person whose mind it is. Um, and I think by seeing certain kids like me with ADHD and thinking and trying to get him to not have it, <laughs> trying to get him to behave in every way as if he didn't, um, is really harmful and it produces a lot of shame, which is not to say that, I, I mean, ADHD is, is, is very frequently not useful in, a, in an academic environment. And it's understandable that a teacher would want to help a student sort of quell those less convenient things. But oftentimes that's at the expense of the things that thinking of ADHD, not necessarily as a disorder, but just as a disposition that someone can have, the ability to think of many things at once and have them all rubbed together and mushed together. And so you can think of new creative ideas. I think oftentimes that gets, um, uh, the value of that gets reduced and gets and gets uh, written off in attempts to help the more um, deleterious effects of of ADHD, um, and that I think I I think well so when I said before that my my mission became to prove that I was smart, which is certainly true. <laughs> um, my a, 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 an, an equally necessary thing to bring up is it wasn't just to prove that I was smart. It was to prove that they fucked up by not putting me in academically talented. So I didn't want to be put in academically talented. I didn't want their approval. I wanted them to admit they were wrong. And so from then on, I always felt like traditional academic success, academic success on paper, getting the praises of, of my teachers or the other people who were evaluating me. I always felt like that was, was sort of letting, was, was letting them win doing well because that's what they wanted. What I wanted to do was for them to look at me, see that I was smart, see that I was failing and think, wow, we really failed this kid. And that always prevented me from that. Well, that was one of the factors that prevented me from actually trying. Um, I, the, the story I tell is like, if, if you're going into class and you were supposed to have done some amount of reading <clears throat> from a book, let's like I say, it's a literature class. Um, and you sit down and the class starts discussing the book. Well, I didn't do the reading. And so the game became, how well can I do in this class having not done the reading? And I most mean, of the time I could just, pull my weight. That's just, that's, that's a mood. I don't know if that's like a relatable a great, mood, but like I would do that shit all the time. Because I oh, just yeah, figured out that I could just be like, well, I just really feel like the author is, you know, really trying to say the thing that he's not like, because it's so easy. It's oh, so yeah. easy to do. And then I would start feeling guilty about that. Like, did you ever feel bad? Because, like, I would start feeling bad that I could just sit there and bullshit and bullshit so effectively that my teacher would be like, that is an amazing point. Everybody should make points like Katie. And I'm like, I just said nothing for three minutes and you didn't notice. Like, <laughs> I think guilty. Yeah, I think I felt guilty sometimes um, seeing I, I, I get I, I get well, it wasn't guilt, I would say. I mean, guilt was part of it, I think. Um, but I think it was fear was the thing that I was mainly feeling. Um, I mean, I didn't know it at the time, but years and years later after dissecting all of it, um, I think I felt fear 
that if I had done the reading, if I was on an even playing field with everybody else, that I wouldn't be as genius as I thought I would be. So I was constantly limiting myself by not doing the reading, by putting the essay off until the very last minute, by, you know, not doing all of my homework and seeing if I could convince the teacher to let me turn it in months late. Um, I was constantly holding myself back because I was worried that if I didn't, then I wouldn't be as smart as I thought I was. That it wasn't the fact that these people fucked me over. I just didn't have the stuff. Um, That's an incredibly astute self-observation. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it factor that's that factors into everything that I do. I mean, you you are my business partner. I think you see that in me. That like, I I don't start if I started editing every podcast immediately after we recorded it. That would give me a whole week to make it the most excellent podcast and make it amazing. But I always wait until like maybe the day before, so that way, as I have thoughts, I think, well, I just don't have time to to spend an hour and a half making a bit out of this five second clip. And I think part of that is I'm worried that if I put everything into it, then the product won't be as good as I imagined it to be. And I'd have to deal with that reality. Um, I mean, I will confess to you here and now that I have two master's degrees in Shakespeare. I have never once read two noble kinsmen. I just haven't. Do you know how many classes I've been required to read two noble kinsmen in? At least seven that come to mind i just i two noble kinsmen sucks it's a oh, shitty fucking play and so like but that's the thing it's like i was in graduate school i was in graduate school sitting in the back of the room going well the intersectionality of this chapter is very interesting when combined with the character development that scene and act three and then it's the same thing and so like yeah i mean i i have that same thing too because i'm like what if i'm not as smart as i think i am i've just been an incredibly good bullshit artist my whole life (laughs) which is not a negligible skill that's for sure not a negligible skill you did it you made it to the middle of the episode congratulations we're really proud of you you should probably go drink some water in in celebration of this momentous occasion so listen we know that we uh talked about the patreon quite a bit at the beginning of the episode so i'm going to skip that this time in the middle and we just want to remind you that this week's episode is brought to you by zlool.com that's z-e-e-l-o-o-l.com they sell glass i always forget to say that they sell glasses for you guys they sell glasses zlool they sell glasses they're cheap they're affordable they're very stylish they have some crazy cool uh styles and, and bold just shockingly bold glasses options um, and so if you want to buy some glasses from zlool.com, you can do that by visiting z-e-e-l-o-o-l.com and use code K-D-O, that's C-A-T-I-E-O, for 10% off your order, which ain't bad. Also, Infinite Quest has a Redbubble shop, so if you want to go get some cool ADHD and D merch, um, you can do that by visiting redbubble.com slash people slash Infinite Quest. Oh my gosh, we've got Blumpkin and Helvetica stickers, and it's like the coolest thing ever. So go check them out. Um, that's it. Short, sweet, and to the point. You're welcome. And now, here's the part where Katie cries. Okay, bye! Um, I know I said I wasn't going to do this, but I want to do this because I think it's really good. 
in the chat, we got a really good question that I think is an excellent segue to a, a really good topic. Yeah, fantastic. Um, homework. Oh, boy. Homework with ADHD. Um, <clears throat> because, um, like, homework, I have a weird relationship to homework. Like, I have a really, really weird relationship. Um, and, and I, like, I will, and I, my answer is very quick. My answer is when I was, like, until maybe high school, well, specifically until high school, homework wasn't a, a thing for me. Like, I would, the teacher would assign the homework, usually, like, in the 10 minutes before class ended, and by the time class was over, I would have the homework done. Um, because the homework that they were assigning was so easy for me. Um, then when I got to high school and we haven't even, we haven't even talked about my secret double life in high school. We haven't even touched this story yet, which we need to get to because I feel like it's a very important contextualizing story for my high school experience. Um, but in high school, like there were some classes where like, I just was like, I mean, I don't have to do the homework. The teacher knows that I'm smart, the teacher, like whatever. And so like, I can just not do the homework and I'll be fine. Um, and so, yeah, like homework, I have a really weird relationship with homework because I never, I never learned anything from homework. Homework was never anything useful. Homework was never anything helpful. It never reinforced <coughs> anything because the way that my brain works is once I have learned something, I have learned it. I either understand it or I do not understand it. And once I understand it, like, great, now I know it. And so like... I don't need to do 15 fucking chemistry problems to understand like whatever conversion, whatever. And so like I would get really frustrated with homework because I didn't see the point. What like, I already know this. I've shown you that I know this because I'm able to confidently talk about it in class. Why do I have to go home and do 80 fucking math problems? Um, yeah. So yeah, I, 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 that's what always sort of frustrated me is, is the point of homework always seemed to not be to not be t helping you learn the thing. It's just proof that you've learned it yeah. for the for the teacher, which from a from a from a, you know, a, a working person's perspective, like it, being a teacher is a job. And part of that person's job is having a specific way that they can explain to their bosses how they're grading their students. It's this percent homework, it's this percent test, it's this percent that. So it's really a way of the teacher doing their job, which is to, you know, measure how well these students are learning the things that it's their job to teach them. And so I always sort of resented that. Or like, you know, the, in my head, it was like the, the fact that you're giving me homework to do over and over a thing that you know I know because I was very active in class <clears throat> is, is an insult. Like, it's, that's, you're wasting my time. I don't view it that way now because I'm not as cynical, but... At the time, I absolutely was. Um, I always liked to homework was always the thing that revealed me. It was always the, <laughs> the, the it's, it was the thing that pulled back the the cover on the smart kid thing that I did in class, especially math class. because yeah. I was always very good at math, um, and I love math. And so I was I would in class I would be, you know, the, the student that the teacher would have to say, you know, anybody but Eric. Like, does anybody but Eric want to answer this question? Right. Um, this is such like a, a mood. Anybody right. but Katie? Anybody? <laughs> All right, Katie. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I can remember several occasions, um, usually towards the end of a semester, where um, the teacher would hold me after class and say, like, Eric, what are you doing? And I'd say, well, what do you mean? I know what they mean. But then I was like, well, what do you mean? 
they were like, Eric, <clears throat> I, I had a teacher come up to me and said, you're, oh my God. Well, see, this one I will apologize for before I say it, because this is very pretentious, but this is also the best example of the thing that I'm talking about. Um, she said, Eric, you're one of the best mathematicians taking this class. She said, you're the one of the best students taking this class, and then corrected herself. And she said, Eric, you're one of the best mathematicians taking this class. Well. I got called a mathematician. Good and day woman, to you, sir. Ooh. This woman literally wrote the book we were studying out of, too. She wrote the textbook we were studying out of. Um, and she said, why haven't you done any of your homework? Like, if you don't do, if you don't do this, then you're going to fail this class. And I was just like, I had no excuses. I knew what I was doing. I was just like, yeah. <laughs> sure. still trying to stick it to those people that didn't put me in academically talented um and so she would strike me a deal she was like if you can give me the entire semester's worth of homework by saturday i'll give you 75 percent credit on it and so then the game was on and i would just hyper focus and just go okay here we go then it was a game and i would do that and you know it was so homework was the thing that always revealed how shitty of a student I actually was. And I think all of the, all the thoughts that I'm espousing now and, and the thoughts that I was having at the time, a lot of them were, to bring it back to the thing that we're supposed to be talking about, <laughs> um, a lot of those things were me trying to escape the fact that my ADHD was much more of a factor in my life than it actually was. Um, all of those things were try to, to try to convince me that I was in fact in control of whether or not I did all this work. I've, I was actively deciding not to, when the fact of the matter was, a lot of the time I genuinely wanted to, whether it's homework or, or an essay. A lot of the times I'd be assigned an essay and as soon as we got the assignment, my brain lit up and went, oh my gosh, that's so interesting, I could write a book about that. Um, but I just couldn't get started because every time I sat down, I got antsy or every time I sat down, my head would start to vibrate and so, in order to try to not deal with the reality that I wasn't in control of that, I convinced myself that it was out of all of these decisions I had made regarding my resentment towards, you know, the academic establishment. Yeah. And I think those things were there, but I don't think my, my not doing the work was a conscious decision a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had this, I totally forgot what I was going to say. Hold on. I had like a whole point that I was going to make and everything. And then I got distracted because I read the chat. <laughs> Keep doing it. I saw you put something in the chat and I was like, oh, oh here there we go. We've, we've started. Oh, I know what it was. Um, So one of the things, though, that I think also for me that I like just very recently have realized is how kind of like what you were saying, like your ADHD was impacting it. Like for me, just like in general, having an undiagnosed neurodiversity was like that was really big. Um, mm. And there's this wonderful video that I saw on TikTok about like, what's something that like you, like the neurotypical people don't understand. And it was this girl and she was talking about like the why, the why of things. Like you can teach me something all day, but if you can't explain to me the why, then like, I don't care. And yeah, I don't know if yeah, I have I ever that. felt so personally called out by a TikTok video because for anybody who was there the night that Eric tried to teach me math on TikTok live, you will remember this. Um, but that was the thing is like, I found that my whole, whole life, especially like when I was like, like young, younger, like, and, and less like high concept stuff, no one could ever answer the why for me. Nobody could ever answer the like, why do I care? Why does this work? How does it work? Like what's going on? It was just like, well, one plus one is two. Right. But why? 
why is one like Hank Green? I'm not trolling you. I genuinely want to know the answer to that question, Hank Green. True story. Um, true story. True story. Um, and so, like, that was the thing. I was like, and realizing like how much that lack of of explanation and that lack of like the why impacted how I think about learning and approach learning is really interesting because it's like now, and I, I always make jokes about this, but like, I wanted to know how big the turkey was in a Christmas carol. Well, why? Because fuck you is why. Like, I want, I wanted to know. I wanted to know because I think that's really fantastically interesting. And three days later of like, quite frankly, exhaustive academic research, like I found that answer. And it's the same reason why, like I decided I wanted to get multiple master's degrees in a subject that I was passionate about because I wanted to know the whys. I wanted to talk to somebody about like, well, why, why I am a pentameter, why, why Shakespeare, why, you know, whatever. And what I have found out is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're in kindergarten. It doesn't matter if you're working your way through a PhD there are a lot of people who have never asked the why question. There are a lot of people in a lot of different areas of study and walks of life and all of this thing who just have never asked the why. And that baffles me. That absolutely baffles me. And it, and it, and it's like, I don't want to say it's like upsetting, but like getting a master's, like my master's degree is like, I don't feel like I tried very hard. I really don't. Like, I don't feel like I tried. And I thought, like, getting master's degrees was going to be, like, this crazy, intense, const, like, just, like, we're going to learn and we're going to study. And it was more of just, like, well, Katie, what are your thoughts on Hamlet? And I'd be like, well, it's good, I guess. Uh, it could be better in some places. There's some plot holes. What about the pirates? What happened to the pirates? And they'd be like, cool, have a degree. And I'd be like, oh, that that was it? Okay. And that, but the guilt, but I feel guilt about that. Like I feel genuine guilt for about that because, and and I don't know why. Like I don't know where it comes from. I don't know why I particularly think of it that way. But like I feel really guilty sitting here on my ADHD podcast, knowing that there are people who aren't passing. You know, they're like freshman year English, going like, oh, it's so easy for me to get a master's degree. Like I feel extreme guilt about that. I feel extreme shame and embarrassment and I feel like I can't talk about it like I can't I feel like I can't talk about the fact that like it has always been so easy for me that I feel bad I feel wrong I feel like I'm doing it wrong I feel like I'm approaching it wrong I I just I don't know like I just I feel so strange about it like I'm, I'm literally getting emotional about it right now because like I just I I I don't know what to do and no one has ever been able to solve that problem for me. Nobody has ever been able to like figure out how to make it challenging enough to where I feel like I'm deserving of the degree or the recognition or anything. Um, and yeah, like I, I don't really know what I'm, I'm, I don't know why. I don't know. Like, I just, I don't know. I feel really guilty. I feel really guilty all the mm. time. Cause I'm like, Oh, I have two master's degrees and I'm so fancy. And I'm like, and I built some costumes and was in some plays and they gave me a master's degree. Like I didn't do anything special. Like I'm, I'm still just me. And it's just, I don't know. It's just, I, yeah, if I think it, this may be like imposter syndrome or something, but it's just, it's just weird. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know where yeah. I was going with that, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd say, you know, I've heard you express this sentiment about 
a couple a number of things and i think the important thing for me to remind you of i'm not these things aren't true because i'm telling you them they just are true um is you're not taking anything away from anybody else by having these things so the concept of deserving it's not that you're taking it away from somebody who is perhaps more deserving the concept of deserving is doesn't really factor in um and two in terms of you know taking away things it implies giving things the fact that you have those master's degrees has enriched you as a person katie and you have made other people's lives a lot better by being the person that you are and so frankly let's say deserving was a factor in it and let's just say you didn't deserve them you do but let's say you didn't i'm still very glad that you do because you're the person that you are and you make my life and a lot of people's lives a lot better so that katie yes. ha take Thanks. the compliment whether you can, want to or not can we we should can so because this got like weird and, and emotional and heavy can i tell a hilarious story about how i, I led a secret double life <laughs> can i tell my secret double life story yeah sure but before you do that i just want to point out to anybody who's hearing this right now if you have a google phone say okay google how big is the turkey from a christmas carol just do that just do that for me please Wherever you are, just <laughs> bust that out real quick. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. Um, so, okay. So this is, a, and this is a thing, and I think part of this also, like, this is this is some fun, I don't want to say childhood trauma, because it's honestly a very funny story, but I suppose trauma can also be funny. Um, but so one of the things that happened to me was because I was good at school and I had kind of figured out how to game the system, um, I started taking college classes when I was in high school. And so like my first day of high school was also my first day of college. And so I was 14 going to college. Now, I also want to be very clear that I have not grown since I was 12 years old. Like I have been the same height. I've been roughly the same weight and shape. So like you look at your, your pal Katie and you're like probably an adult. Uh, so I lived this very weird secret life where, um, I was like 14, I was in college, but I didn't want anybody in college to know that I wasn't cool. And I didn't want anybody in college to know that I, I like, you know, got driven to college by my mom in her purple minivan. That's a true and specific reference from my own <laughs> life. Um, and so like for a couple of years, I like didn't tell anybody like how old I was like because I just I just didn't I whatever and like and so like in college I and I started doing this thing where I, pre I pretended like I was I was not very good at school um, and so I would I like I remember I, I took this class it was a it was a theater history class and it was like a very like 101 theater history but because I had I'd already been like a theater kid you know I knew a lot about theater history because I just read so I would like, I had this secret double life where I was a bad college student where I would purposely like fail tests and I would purposely get the answer wrong. And I would purposely like be like, oh yeah, that's like, I would very confidently be like Henrik Ibsen. And then they'd be like, no, that was a checkoff play. And I'd be like, oops. And it was like, so I could feel like, it was like, I was doing this like weird, it wasn't even like a social experiment. But it was, like, this weird thing where I, like, I wanted the experience of being a bad student, so I, like, manufactured it. Um, and then finally, like, one of my teachers, like, called me out. And she was like, I've seen your papers. I've seen your tests. 
I know that you know this. I know that you know this material. I don't know what is going on with you, but, like, stop it. Like, just own the fact that, like, you know this. And so then, like, the next day in class, she, like, basically outed me and was just like, well, Katie, like, you're 15. Like, what, like, you know, you're, you're still in high school. And I still remembered, like, everybody just, like, turned around and was like, because, like, you know, uh, and it was also, that was the weekend that a lot of the guys in the class stopped hitting on me as much as they had been. <laughs> just want to make that, that part of the story very abundantly clear. Um, I was so confused whilst, why so many people weren't as nice to me as they had been. And then my teacher had to be like, well, here's what why. Were, what were some of the differences that you noticed going from the high school world immediately to the college world? I mean, honestly, like... I thought it was super novel that I didn't have to wear a school uniform. That was uh, like, that was like my number one impression was I was like, I didn't have to wear a knee socks and culotte to school every day. I thought that was cool. Um, but I also have very fond memories of like frantically changing my clothes in the back of my mom's say, yeah. minivan. Cause like I would leave from high school and go <laughs> to, to the college classes. Um, but like, I don't know, like it was like, it was really weird because like I, what was nice is that because like the way that I was doing it was I was just kind of taking classes, like whatever I, I thought was interesting at the time. So I took a lot of like theater history. I took like stage makeup. I took like stage combat. Like I did a lot of theater classes and that kind of thing. I took some English classes. I took, you know, like just kind of, it was a thing. But by the time I graduated high school, I had also graduated college already. Like I had enough credits to have a college degree. And so I remember like my, like my parents looked at me and they're like, well, do you want to go? Like, what are you going to do? Because like you have a degree. And I was like, well, I want to do college for real. And I remember that was like very specifically like how I thought about it is like, I had not done college. I had just, I faked college. It was pretend college. It wasn't real. It wasn't, those 120 credits weren't real um, <laughs> because I had had fun. You know, I had just like, I had had fun learning them and whatever. Um, and so, yeah. And so then I, I went, I, I guess I went back to college or I, I went to college for real that time. Um, and so, yeah, but yeah, it was just like this weird trivia fact from my life of like my secret double life as a college student. <laughs> I was wondering, my, my honest question is, what did your mom think of the fact that you wanted, that you, you felt the need to change out of your high school uniform to go to college classes? I'm just curious, did she notice? Was she like, are you embarrassed? Was she like, because my mom would at least want to know, like, you I know, don't think she ever thought about it. Like, honestly, like, I think she just kind of was like, oh, that makes sense. Like, you know, because she's not going to, to school. She's going to college, you know. So, like, I don't think she ever, like, she never really, like, made a thing out of it. You know what I mean? But it was like, I, I was also, like, in every fucking activity in high school because that's a, let's, we still haven't touched on that part of ADHD where it's just, <laughs> oh, you're going to be involved in every activity and you're going to completely overextend yourself and burn yourself out. That's, that's definitely a normal thing that normal people do. Um, but you know, I would change for basketball practice and I would change for volleyball practice and I would, I would change for honor society meetings and I would, you know, so it was like just the changing of the clothes in the back seat was a very like normative thing in my uh. house. <laughs> that makes sense. I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I'm knowing what your car looks like. It's just now making a lot of sense at any given time. You have like 15 different changes of clothes in your car. Which is not, which, Katie, I don't mean to, like, out you as having a car with a bunch of stuff in it. I think it's incredibly useful. 
Like that one time when you when we went to the Renaissance Fair for you to check your mail, and I, I was because of COVID, I was like not going to go in. I was just waiting outside in the car. I wasn't bored at all. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, there was the complete works of Shakespeare in there. That was pretty cool. I found a really good pair of needle nose pliers that I needed to use later. It was There's awesome. A, there is a. I would say a group of about 150 people in Georgia who all in with no irony or like, you know, hyperbole, they literally call my car the room of requirement. It's just mine is on wheels Um, because it's a real thing. Like, oh, you need a pirate sword. I think I've got one in my car. Like, oh, you need, I don't know, like a bottle of wine. I think I got one in my car. Like, it's a real thing in my life. It's just, it's just, I think, I don't know if that's like an ADHD thing, but I feel like it's, it's, I've made enough jokes about like, show me the backseat of your car on TikTok to where I feel like maybe that's like less of a, it's, it's a, it's a shared experience. (laughs) Well, I think the thing about is whenever I see something that could be useful in a project at some point, like a build project, I have to hold on to it. And just often enough, one of those things will end up being exactly the thing that I need. And that just perpetuates it for the next year basically so i i think if this is adhd related it's certainly not part of the diagnostic criteria but if if keeping things seemingly useless things around or at least not obviously useful things around is part of adhd i think it's because of the whole prospecting thing that we think of so many different possibilities for how everything can play out we inevitably see the one where this thing is exactly what we need at the time and in which case we want to have it Right. So that's so hard to get rid of stuff, too. Oh, my gosh. Because <laughs> I'm just like, well, yeah, I could get rid of the seven yards of silk that has been sitting in my closet for five years and I haven't even ever cut into. But what if I need to make a teal silk doublet sometime? Like, <laughs> Oh, and that feeling of, like, working on something and realizing that you need a very specific thing. And the moment you realize that you have it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, I, I would live in that moment for the rest of my life. It's so good. <laughs> I jump out of my, I bang my knees on my desk as I erupt from the chair. It's incredible. (laughs) Well, Katie, uh, let's, so we've been recording for about an hour now, and we've been giving sort of backstories on our schooling experience. Um, I feel like this has to be a part one now, because I feel like we talked a lot about, like, here's, like, where we come from, but we haven't really offered any, like, solutions to problems. We're just like, yeah. Well, so what that I was thinking, sucked. I don't know, let's, I'm also asking the, the chat this. Hello, chat. Hi, everybody. Sorry, we haven't been paying very much attention to you. I feel bad. Um, but if you're down, and Katie, if you're down, um, we could take a break, cap this episode off. People can ask questions in the chat, and then do you want to do like a school Q&A uh, while we're all set up? Um, based on the questions that they ask, it's okay. You've been streaming for a while now, Katie, so nobody will hold it against you if you need to. If you need to. If you need to stop, right, everybody, right, everybody. We won't hold it against Katie if if she needs to stop. I think maybe a better idea. <laughs> I like is that not idea. That. Um, my thought is, what if we have them email their questions to us at infinitequestpodcast at gmail dot com. Ah. And then that way, if they've like got awesome questions, we can also we can make a list of like the most common ones. Uh, and then that way, also people who are listening to this later after the fact can also send us their questions about school. Mm. Uh, and then that way we can do a part two that's more about like just questions about like because I have a lot of like good school advice. Like that's the thing. It's like well, it I just, sounds like I just it, yeah. complained about school for like the past hour. 
but like really and truly like like because i lived with undiagnosed adhd for so long i have a lot of like really good and really effective systems for like oh you need to write a history paper but you left it for like an hour before it's due i got you fam here's how to write your hour before history paper here's how to write a day before history paper like i've got a lot of stuff like that but like i kind of want to know like what people want to know um and i also kind of want to like make sure that like i think about the answer to my question because i feel really awkward about this episode eric i feel like i did that cool thing where like where we we had a really good conversation but now i'm really embarrassed and i don't want you to put it on the internet oh katie boo 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 was a very good episode you were very you're a very interesting person i just feel like i just bragged about how good i was at school for like an hour and i feel like i'm gonna hurt a lot of people's feelings because i know there's a lot of people with adhd who struggle with school and i feel really really bad and really guilty about it and now i'm gonna cry because i'm almost on my period it's fine well, you know, Katie, I, I mean, so I'm a person who struggled with school, like always, always, every whether it was elementary school or the, you know, quarter semesters of community college that I ended up doing. Um, and the feeling that I'm feeling is not judgment or, oh, my gosh, this person has just been bragging for an hour. My, my feeling is curiosity. How the f- fuck did you do it? I mean, I I don't know. Like, I, I, it's, I I'm curious. I have questions, basically. And so. Wait, what are your questions? Because we still have like. Because technically speaking, we bullshitted around for the first, like, 20 minutes, so we still have a little bit of time. That's what's true. Your, what's your question? I want to know one of your questions. Well, so my my main question is just what was the worst part about having ADHD in that experience? Like, knowing what you know now about yourself and about ADHD, where did ADHD rear its head during those times? When did you have to deal with it, and how did you deal with it? That's a really good question. I think for me, it was the dichotomy of being incredibly good at school, but like not being able to do things like stay organized. Mm. Um, because like on like now I'm all vulnerable and I'm going to cry. It's fine. Um, but like I've told the story before, but like I had my desk dumped repeatedly in school. Like my teacher would literally come over to my little, like, you know, little square desk with like the little cubby and pick it up and just throw all of my shit on the floor and just make me like sit on the floor and gather up all of my stuff and like organize it but my system was my system and like that happened probably twice a month for like at least my entire third grade year um, which all the way, also like, this doesn't matter, but like, I'm not going to say her name, but if she's listening to my podcast, fuck you, fuck you for doing that. Fuck you for calling me four eyes. Fuck you for dumping my desk. I was a child and you were an adult and you mercilessly bullied me for that entire school year for no good goddamn reason under the guise of it was super funny. Fuck you. And that time that you saw me in the grocery store and you were like, oh my God, you were always my favorite student. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you forever. Thank you. I'm fine. I've got that out. Um, uh, but yeah, like, so that, that was like formulative for me was like the, the desk dumping thing. Cause like, I learned that like, I could be as good as I wanted in school. I could be as great at school as I wanted. I, and I was like, I was, I was very good at school and I'm a very talented writer. Like, and I think some of that comes from my ADHD, um, because I tend to like, kind of go like big brain and I can like, just think of a story on the spot, you know, that kind of thing. Um, 
but at the same time, like I would, I was always getting screamed at for like my room not being as clean as my mom wanted it to be. I was always getting screamed at for having a messy locker. I was always getting in trouble for having a messy desk. Like, and so, yeah, like for me, it was, it was the dichotomy. It was the dichotomy of being so successful and so good. And honestly, sometimes being proud of that, like that, that pride of like, I got the best grade in the class, or I know that I know the answer. But then looking in my locker, looking at my backpack or looking in the backseat of my car and going like, I'm never going to have my life together. Like, I'm never going to be, I'm never going to be able to do it all. But I would just keep trying. Because like, maybe if I was president of the honor society, that would fix my problem. Maybe if I was the star of the softball team, that would be, that would solve my problem. Maybe if I was the star of the musical, that would solve my problem. Um, And so everything that I ever did, I was very, very successful at but my room was still messy and my locker was still dirty and I would still, you know, f- lose the permission slips and the homework and all of that stuff. And so, yeah, it was, that's, that I think is my answer. It's just living with that absolute painful dichotomy of being told over and over and over that I'm special and I'm brilliant and I'm whatever, but at the same time feeling like an abject fuck up because the adult authority figures in my life conflated things like my lack of focus and my disorganization and my like constant talking in class as like I'm I was bad I was a bad kid I was a bad kid I was a bad student she is she's she's great she does her, her papers are so good and she researches so well but she can't focus she can't she can't you know she talks over other kids in class like you have to do something hmm. that's it well Katie I'm so, I won't apologize in advance for the question I'm about to ask you, but I want you to answer honestly if you can. Okay. What would you say to that Katie now? Oh, God. <laughs> Fuck you. You made me cry. <laughs> um, no, when you cry, I cry, Katie. I cry every time okay. I cry. It's okay. Um, I would tell that Katie that you are, fuck you for making me cry. I would tell that Katie that you are enough. You are enough as you are. You don't have to keep trying so fucking hard to prove that you are worthy of love, that you deserve love. Like I would tell her that the life that you are about to lead is extraordinary and it is full of incredible people and incredible experiences and everything, everything you choose, everything that you focus on for two days or two weeks or two months, like at some point in your life, you're going to look back and you're going, ah, that Egypt phase panned out for me. And now I know a lot about Egypt and I can talk about this Egypt with this hot archaeologist and have a really interesting night together. Um, everything, everything that you do, it is, it it's worth it it's worth it for the experiences that you get for the for the for just like the passion that you have never apologize for your passion never apologize for being excited or interested and for all of the people who criticize you and tell you that you are not enough or that you are bad and you are wrong they are wrong they are wrong they are wrong they will continue to be wrong and it's weird it's weird realizing that the grown-ups in your life are wrong. It's realizing it's weird realizing that the grown-ups in your life are treating you poorly. But you'll get through it. <laughs> and you wind up with a podcast where you get to tell other people 
that they're not broken and they're not wrong. And so all that hurt, all that shame, all that anger it works out in the end, just not in the way you expect. You're still not Comic-Con famous, though, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, how is Brendan Fraser, by the way? Uh, Brendan Fraser is fucking great. Oh, he's cool. So good. Just want to check in. I haven't he's seen good. him in a while. Bren Bren, my, my best friend, Bren Bren. <laughs> That's what I call him. It's fine. This is just a me thing. <laughs> Thanks for answering that's the that question. Podcast. That was that's, that was that was a good end of the podcast. That was a good end of the podcast. Thanks for answering that question. I'm sorry to spring it on you. I, I didn't think it was. Okay, I want to know what your answer is. Well, you're gonna have to wait for the next podcast. to Infinite Quest, the podcast. Of course, you didn't tune in. You've selected it from your digital device and hit play intentionally. You can't tune in anymore. That's old people talk. And we're hip and with it. We're young and swinging. Oh, that's all right, Mr. Nichols. I can take it from here. Uh, Infinite Quest wants to thank Mr. Nichols for uh, being such a good sport this week because, you guys, Mr. Nichols is just such a cool person and I'm really glad that I get to know him. So uh, thanks for being our impromptu guest star this week, Mr. Nichols. Before we go, uh, we just want to give a big Infinite Quest thank you uh, to our newest patrons. Uh, we have been absolutely overwhelmed by your support. And really and truly, I know I say this every single week, but it is because of your support that we are able to bring you educational content about ADHD and all of the other fun stuff that we're doing. Um, and we are just so, so grateful for all of you. So this week, uh, a big Infinite Quest shout out goes to Daniela and Crystal and Elaine and Megan and Rachel and Clue and Judith and Jenny and Keith and the water is blue. Thank you all so much for becoming part of the Infinite Quest family. We are so grateful for your support. And if you are interested in supporting Infinite Quest, you can do that by visiting patreon.com slash infinite quest for more information. As always, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for your support. Remember to drink some water. Remember to take your meds. Remember to be kind to yourself. And we'll see you next week. From all of us at Infinite Quest, thank you, and we love you. Bye.